This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Greetings, good afternoon, or evening, or day, or whenever you're listening to this. My brain just killed over and died. See, this is what editing is for. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) I'm Cody Burkett, CSW. I'm Megan, also apparently CSW, although I question that sometimes. <laughs> Today, we're drinking from Tejas. It's like a whole nother country. The wine we're focusing on is the Grape Creek Vineyards 2016 Petite Syrah, uh, vinted and bottled by Grape Creek Vineyards in Fredericksburg, Texas, for sale in Texas only, which uh, we'll get into what that may mean in a bit. Would you do the honors of reading the label? Oh, the back? Yes. Okay. At Grape Creek Vineyards, our passion is to produce premium quality wine for the best selection of grapes. Oh, from. Whoops. Come enjoy our wines and experience Tuscany in Texas at our Italian villa tasting room overlooking the vineyards. Taste tour belong. Because they really want you to join their wine club. The Grape Creek Petite Syrah has a rich and rustic character, adding to the variety's mysterious and cult-like appeal. The wine exhibits a sexy, dark color with aromatic nuances of sweet blueberries, jammy blackberries, and exotic spices. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so uh, we are drinking this in conjunction, and it's not going to be the focus of this episode, but uh, because Megan works for DA, <laughs> she brought a bottle of, uh, which vintage is this, 2016? Uh, 15. 2015 Generations, which is their uh, Petite Syrah. The fancy schmancy back on this, which is not tasting notes. Reminiscent of bygone days with the Petsnick grandchildren, the Petite Sorrel Reserve, aged 18 months, highlights the unique terroir where generations played, an elegant and polished finish showcasing a remarkable estate fruit. Yes. So we know for a fact, based on labeling, that the DA Ranch fruit is estate. Um, for sale in Texas only, and this is a big controversy that has led to lawsuits here and there in, in Tejas, Basically, what it means is, so federal labeling regulations prevent wineries from advertising specific source of the grapes in their wine unless it was grown in the same state as the winery. Uh, this is also the sort of a, a recent hoopla you may or may not have heard or read about involving a winery in California getting grapes supposedly from the Willamette Valley and Willamette Valley wineries suing them for that. So... Um, there's this great article from Texas Wine Geek, Texas Wine Geek for sale in Texas only. Basically, there's a whole bunch of legalese that uh, they have put on this article. Basically, the exact uh, ruling, I guess, not ruling, um, laws. Yeah. And the interpretation basically is here. So, if the grapes are grown outside the winery state, but in the U.S., the appellation of the label must state American. This bottle does not say American. Unless the state where the grapes were grown border the winery state, in which case the appellation may either be the name of the state or American, which does it does not say Texas. It does not say American either. Um, I mean, aside from the vented and bottled by. Yeah, so this is what we're relying on. Vented and bottled by legally means that you're making that wine yourself at your winery. So my guess, and this is a shot in the dark, and I'm going to call the winery and probably put this as an addendum tomorrow, um, or whenever I remember to give them a call. 
Um, find the number. If I can find the number, because we were looking at the website and there's all this stuff like joining the wine club and all of our tasting rooms, but no phone number anywhere. It's just like, oh, that's kind of suspicious. Yeah, it's not on the bottle either. It's the website's not on, on the bottle. The website is on the bottle, but the website doesn't have it, um, which is weird. <laughs> They're like, you don't call us. But anyway. We're too good to talk. So basically, this whole for sale and XYZ only was lobbied for by California wineries to prevent non-California wineries from being able to buy California grapes and advertise them as California grapes. So they basically didn't want a Texas winery or an Arizona winery, because uh, this was a thing in Arizona for a while, too, with bottles that had that on yeah. there. Uh, as you mentioned at uh, Oak Creek. Yeah, that um, and I remember hearing about it at um, Burning Tree. Yeah. Because I think it was, what, Cor- Corey? Yeah. Corey was talking to me about it. That, I don't know, sometime I was there. Yeah. And so I was, thought that I knew what I was talking about, but maybe not. So basically, they didn't want those wineries to be able to buy Napa grapes and put Napa Valley on the label. So they do provide an exception for federal laboring regulations if the wine will be only sold in the winery state. So if a winery is granted the exception, they must put the phrase for sale in blank state only on the label so basically it's designed to allow wineries to provide better information about the grapes using their wine which has not helped us at all in this case no, <laughs> no, no not not really but, um you know. but that being said just because it says for sale in texas only it doesn't mean that the grapes in the wine aren't from texas they may well be just not sure where just not sure where so we also know that Ostensibly, Fredericksburg is an AVA. We'll talk about AVAs in Texas in a minute. But it doesn't say Fredericksburg AVA. So my guess is that this is a blend of estate Petite Syrah, plus Petite Syrah maybe from Mesilla Valley or other AVAs in Texas, and it's blended together. So it's a Texas wine, but because maybe labeling laws prevent it, it can't say Texas Petite Syrah. Right. Because if it's coming from more than one AVA, you're kind of limited on your labeling rules based on what we learned in class studying for CSW. Or didn't I, learn. I was going to say, because I totally remember all of those. I vaguely remember. I don't remember shit. This was the hardest fucking test I ever took. Studying for it was hard. Taking it was, I was just like, whatever, I just took like 16 pretests, so that didn't phase me. It was the <laughs> studying year and a half of fucking studying anyway that being said it's better than some because both of us really hate other people yes and csw is basically psalm status for people who hate people because it doesn't focus as intensely on status because we're or not status not service industry yeah we're not focused on like going to fancy billionaires in a restaurant going like, buy this look, look buy this, this overpriced bottle of screaming eagle that tastes like oak shit <laughs> yes <laughs> And making sure that you open the bottle on the right side of the person and then serve it on the correct side of the person and get your wine cold and just the right way yes. and listen to assholes yell and blah yeah, blah blah blah. People being like, Well this bottle's corked be like asshole, you have no idea what you're talking Yeah, no, this is not corked. It actually was from a little bit of Brett, so it's not corked, but it's a different thing, it's not corked. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, this is normal. Yeah. <laughs> except for you can't say that. Yeah, I know. Because the customer's always right. The customer is always right, except when they're absolutely fucking wrong. No. <laughs> and you want to tell them, but you can't. Sometimes I do. Because <laughs> I, I, my interest is in teaching people True. when I'm in the tasting room. Not necessarily proper wine etiquette. I don't want to be like, make them into little clone copies of me where they're super wine geeks. Going ooh and ah over amber wine or what have you. <laughs> you know, but I want people to, you know, learn the proper pronunciation of Syrah or Viognier or yeah. learn that, yes, we actually do make wines in Arizona. Yes, there are great wines in Arizona. 
every state has a winery, even Alabama and Alaska, mm-hmm. which is all what this podcast is about. Yes. Except for Alaska doesn't actually have grapes. No, most of their... Well, if they're doing grape wines, they're importing the grapes. Right, right. But there are some people doing indigenous fruit wines, and I, I have some leads on that. Oh, that's kind of cool. For one of my next paychecks. Very good. The TLDR of this whole rambling statement was, you know, I'd rather teach people to be more comfortable with wine. Yeah. And if they get something wrong, I want them to recognize that they are wrong, and this is why they are wrong, and this is right, and this is why this is right, and now you know and you can tell your friends. You know, I did actually get to explain to a lady at DA Ranch that you don't add water to wine when you're making it. Yeah. That was impressive. I didn't realize somebody thought that. Probably because they're doing it from home kits, or I've watched people do it from home kits. I don't think she was even doing that. She was, like, part of the, I don't know, water committee for something somewhere. And so she was like, oh, I I want a wine that, you know, it's going to be nothing but the, the, you know, the water from Cornville. And I'm like, well, anything grown here is going to be... Cornville water, and you know, she's like, oh, so you make the wine here? I'm like, well, no, we make it in, in, in uh, Clarkdale, and she's like, okay, so it's got Clarkdale water, and I'm like, no, no, why would it have Clarkdale water in it? She's like, well, don't you add water? Oh, God. No, 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 we don't. That's not, that's not how that works. But I know that you add water in kits don't where you're that. dealing with concentrate, like for your home winemaking kits, like you want to make a Barolo at home. So you have yes. your Barolo concentrate from oh, okay. Piedmont and then you add in water to get it to the right thing and then oh. you ferment it and then it tastes like shit because yeah. it's well, obviously not true Barolo. I didn't know that. I've never, well, the couple times I've tried to make wine at home, I promptly made vinegar. Yeah, that, that, that happens. Yeah, because yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's okay. So, tasting these two side by side is really interesting because trying to figure out the terroir of the different vineyard sites and possible terroir of Texas, and I think I'm getting it because there are some notes on sort of the the finish and then sort of the edge of the palate that are different than the landscape that I'm used to. It's got a sort of musty funk, but it's a good musty funk. Yeah. Like, oh, I would see musty funk live if they were playing band, reggae. As opposed to, like, not good funk like Corked or, or VA or anything. It's a, it's a flawless wine. There are no real flaws that I can detect in it anyway. No, it's that musty. Which I think is a terroir feature, which I have tasted in other eastern U.S. wines coming from moister regions. Right. So I'm thinking that this is at least partly, if not entirely, Texas fruit from multiple different ABAs. Okay. I also feel like this Texas Petite Syrah is a little bit lighter in fruit. It is. I was just thinking that it's actually, the texture is a little bit lighter than, than DA's. What notes are you getting? I mean, they're both similar. I can tell the difference. I mean, there's there's a lot of dark berry on the both of them, but I know on on the Texas one, I get a little bit more of that cooked fruit kind of thing. You know, almost pruney, but not completely there. Yeah, like stewed, roasted plums. Yeah. and I'm getting more red currant and, and red cherry, maybe even Bing cherry. I don't get cherry at all. That's so funny. Wine is weird. Maybe, um, not boysenberry, but a darker, lighter purple fruit, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like goji, almost, maybe. Okay. I, mean, um, I guess I can kind of see the red, because there is, a like, a tang. There's yeah. Like a tanginess kind of bright, but I still feel like I taste a lot of just... Uh, also interesting is um, uh, the spice notes in the Texas one I'm getting are more lighter baking spices. Um, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg, maybe sandalwood. But on the DA, 
on the nose especially. Well, mostly on the nose, not so much on the palate, but on the nose I get, and it's there on the palate too, just a little bit of black pepper, which to me is a Verde Valley to our characteristic. Mm-hmm. And, oh God. and reds across the board. Even in whites, I'll get pepper notes. In, yeah. In, in yeah, anything from Arizona. Well, for me, it's it's black pepper in the Verde, on both reds, whites, rosé. Okay. Uh, Wilcox, it's anise and dust, and then and Sonoida, it's tangerine on everything. Just <laughs> a little That's slight fun. bit of tangerine. Like it's not you, you have to hunt for it some of the times, yeah. but it's there. Okay. And it's not orange, it's not lime, it's not lemon, it's tangerine, which is weird. Not eaten enough tangerines, probably know that, but I will have to do that. Yes. <laughs> Next on Eating Fruit with Wine yes. with Megan and Cody. Fabulous. So Texas wine in general, uh, long history of wine production in Texas. Some of the earliest recorded Texas wines were produced by Spanish missionaries near El Paso. A state is actually home to 36 indigenous members of the Vitis grape family. There's 15 that are actually native to the state specifically. As of 2006, there's 3,200 acres, or 1,300 hectares, planted with Vitis vinifera. Yet, that being said, even though this is the largest of the lower 48, it's still not as much in terms of mileage. And there are parts of Texas that still are more or less in prohibition. <sighs> yeah. Prohibition. Prohibition. <laughs> grumble, grumble. Oh, Texas also played an important role in saving the European wine industry because it was yes. rootstock uh, from Texas and indigenous species that were created to use hybrid grapes and finding rootstock that were immune to phylloxera. Well, and which, I heard even, too, that France was buying grapes from Texas. It could, it could have been. I, I don't know if they were directly buying grapes or grape... I know grape vines. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. I just uh, and rootstock. something that they were actually... During that whole phylloxera garbage, you know, they were actually getting grapes from them, too, and making wine out of it. But I could be crazy. I feel like I heard that somewhere. Though. No, no, you're, you're right. I remember reading that they were importing grape vines. Yeah. According to the book I read, they were basically buying these grape vines, hacking off the top of the grape plant, and grafting on oh, yeah. indigenous varieties. Well, yeah, absolutely. But it's, I mean, I just... To try and save their, their, their stock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because no. obviously phylloxera was attacking the roots rather than anything else. Right. After. No, I just, I thought that I had heard that they not only were using the rootstock, but actually using grapes and using it to make the wine because they didn't have vines left anymore. I don't know if that's true. It's something I... I, I think for a time that was the case, but now as as the industry recovered after that, oh, well, a lot obviously. of those oh, yeah, no, varieties and French, you know, no, they're called French-American hybrids for a reason. Yeah. Because they no, were French no, and American. No, no, I'm not saying they would be doing that now, but in the, yeah. what, 1700s or whatever it was. Uh, 18, late 18. 18, 1800s. I don't know. Uh, but of course, Prohibition killed it. So the recent revival began in the 1970s, began with uh, Lano Escado and Pheasant Ridge wineries and the Texas High Plains Appalachian. But there is a winery that dates back all the way back to way early. Uh, Valverde Winery, which is technically the oldest winery in Texas, and they more or less have been continuously running uh, since 1883. Oh, During Prohibition, they mostly survived by doing communion wine, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love, love to find a bottle from this winery, but they do not ship to Arizona. Um, so if you are from Valverde and you're listening to this and you want to figure out a wine trade, I'm down. Because uh, I would like to try wines from some of the old, the oldest winery in Texas. Anyway, there are drum roll, please. Alrighty, eight AVAs in Texas. 
the Mesilla Valley AVA, which also crosses into New Mexico. The Bell Mountain AVA. Fredericksburg and the Texas Hill Country mm. AVA, which is a subset of the Texas Hill Country AVA. The Escondido. Escondido? Yeah, Escondido. Escondido. I just love saying that word, Escondido. It is fun. Escondido. 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 I need, like, a man with, like, a, you know, that blanket over his face. Hold just, on. Like, a low hat, like, Hold sitting on. in a corner somewhere. There you go. Hold on. Let me uh, <laughs> move my hat low and find a... Find the scarf. Yeah, I had where... a freaking scarf here, I know, like, I don't ten know. minutes ago. I know. I don't know where it went. In the abyss. <laughs> Perfect. Because so it's, it's audio, and no one knows what it actually is. They don't know what it actually is. Escondido. See, it's Perfect. Escondido. Vamos, muchachos. Vaya con Dios. <coughs> anyway. Spanish. <laughs> Texas High Plains AVA. Texas Davis Mountains AVA. Uh, there's only one winery in existence Texoma. in that. And Texanoma. Oh, te- no, Texoma. Texoma. Oh, shit. Which, uh, which is actually where Thomas Volney. Yes. Munson discovered the cure for France's epidemic of phylloxera. So that would be fun to get a wine from there, too. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that's... Because I've got family in Texas, and growing up we went to a spot called Lake Texoma. So I wonder if it's near that. That'd be kind of cool. Could be. I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, with that name. Something to look into. Indeed. (laughs) Beard stroke. (laughs) (laughs) 200 wineries in Texas, producing, as I mentioned, about uh, 4,100 tons of wine. Which makes it actually the fourth largest wine-producing state in the nation, but they don't really export. In fact, the only time I've ever seen, and it was shocking to me, to go into this liquor store in Maryland and see Texas wine, because I've never seen that for sale outside anywhere. And it was only one winery. In Maryland? In Maryland. And they had a sparkling Chenin Blanc, an Albarino, and a Red Blend, and I almost bought the Chenin. Sparkling because that's just that. Well, I didn't because at the time it's like, oh, I don't know how many bottles I'm going to be bringing home. Uh, yeah, and then I ended up bringing okay. back 18 bottles of wine and cans from this last trip to do. Maryland, as I do. As you do. Hashtag you make America grape again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't have had room for them anyway. Right. But it's nice to know that when I go back to visit my godson, who is totes adorbs, um, I actually had my first nightmare, parenting nightmare, about him not being able to drink wine at communion. <laughs> Uh, because he was allergic to it. And oh, no. at the time, I was like thinking theologically. And then someone commented, like, of course your fear would be a godson or a child that they can't drink wine. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it's you, Cody. That would be absolutely terrible. What are you supposed to do? Not much. No. But anyway, uh, I, I think that this wine is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I got it. <laughs> and then I could just be a psycho person. But I'm getting, like, peppers almost, like chili peppers almost. I could see chili or green peppers. Like a green chili, green pepper something, like, on the nose a little bit, on the palate a little bit. It's weird. Yeah, I can can see that, actually. Yeah. Which maybe, I know in Cab, usually, uh, well, Cab Sauv, it's normally because it was harvested a little underripe. Right. So maybe this some of it was harvested under right. That could be. I don't know. Or maybe that's part of Texas terroir. I mean, it's I close don't know. to New Mexico, kind of. <laughs> and I just think green chilies in New yeah. Mexico, so fuck, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I, I am getting some of that green pepper character. Yeah, it's like the more that it's open, you know, and getting and getting getting air and shit, like, it's getting some interesting... I'm almost tasting cheese. Maybe I'm just hungry. Well, I'll get you some chili here in a moment. See chili. Oh, that could be that could be fucking wine. 
I'm just smelling remnants of other things. The the DA Arizona is much more darker, much mm-hmm. more peppery, black fruit. Yeah. Black currants, blackberry, mulberry, black. Yeah, definitely like if these were called in my head, and sometimes I taste, I have a little bit of wine synesthesia, and I taste in colors. Perfect. I'm okay with that. The Texas Petite Syrah is the color of your shirt. Yes. Well, jacket. Av- av- oh, wait, this one? Yeah. Okay. So it's like that color. Like a... Like a dark burgundy shade. Yeah, dark burgundy. And this one is like, almost like deep purple violet. Yeah. Like, um, I don't have anything in the room that's that color, really. That's okay. Oh, I... you can't really see it in the light because it looks black, but the color on the dress of the Theotokos, the, the mother of God in that Coptic icon there. Very good. Um, which will mean absolutely nothing to you people listening. So a darker, deeper purple, mm-hmm. more... I mean, even just looking at More them. blue purple than red purple, if that makes sense. Um, that's the only synesthesia I have. I have a friend who tastes wine as music notes. That's and beautiful. I am so jealous. I'm like, that's beautiful. I'm so jealous of oh Sophia. <laughs> That's not fair at all. But anyway, the largest wine producer in the state is the University of Texas system, uh, with a thousand acres planted near Fort Stockton. Second largest is Lano Escado, Escadado Winery. But anyway, this is a good wine. Uh, Thank you for ringing this. Cheers. Make America Grape Again. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at, at theazwinemonk, or on Twitter at cvburkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagrapeagainpodcast.com.